Hello, and welcome back to the Sports Marketing Podcast. This is episode six. Today we'll be talking about what we have done in class for the past two weeks. First thing we'll be talking about is ticketing and seating arrangements. So for any sports team, they need to determine the price of tickets and um, how the ticket prices vary within each section. Um, and it, an example of a typical setting would be a festival or a lawn uh, seating event. A festival or a lawn seating is an open seating arrangement in which spectators can sit anywhere they desire. So with here, typically they don't have a difference in where you're sit- sitting in terms of price because you can sit anywhere you want to. This is typically for concert venues. They would have this type of seating arrangement. You don't see this at events such as sporting events. Um, typically a spectator would pay less for the ticket and they're typically not too close to the stage or the event because they don't want it crowded and they want the um, performance to be able to perform to the best of their ability. Uh, another type of seating is reserve seating. So this would be like typically a more like sporting events. Um, reserve seating is typically located within a closed range a close range of the event and seats are assigned or numbered. When a spectator purchases reserved seat tickets, the facility holds specific seats for the spectators in certain sections of the facility. Typically the reserved seating um, option would cost more money, but you would also get a better view and a better overall experience, which is why they validate the cost of it. There's also luxury boxes slash suite seats Luxury boxes are um, typically purchased by businesses and they have more amenities than other scene arrangements. So they're probably more comfortable. They have more space. You might have snacks or something like that or people waiting on you. Tickets for these box or suite seats are the most expensive, but they also have the best view and they're often, often purchased by businesses for entertaining clients. Then you have general admission seats. These allow spectators to sit anywhere in a very specific area. These general admission seats are usually closer to the stage or event than festival seats, but they're farther away than reserve seats. So they're not quite the most premium, but they're up there. General admission seats are typically the least expensive, but they offer seats on a first come first serve basis in limited sections of the arena or stadium. These seats are usually located in areas of the facility that do not provide the best view of the sport event and they typically tend to attract value-oriented spectators, so the most value for money, pretty much. Uh, you need to know the prices of each seat type. Um, sport. If you're a sport or event marketer, you should uh, have some knowledge on the seating arrangement and the facility where the sport or event is held. You must know the prices for each type of seat, such as the box seat, balcony seat, end zone seat, etc. This is important because if you're trying to market um, a specific product, if it's in one of the less expensive sections, you probably shouldn't be marketing a product that's very expensive because typically someone that's sitting there is either on a budget or they're not willing to spend the top dollar. So if you're advertising like a premium item that um, would be more expensive, you might want to um, market that in perhaps a reserve seating or a luxury box area. That would be smarter. Uh, you need. It's also important to know for marketers because it can help customers 
obtain the type of seats they want at the price they want to play. For example, some customers will be willing to pay a higher seat for prices in a preferred section because they want an unobstructed view. So an example of this would be in a basketball um, game. If you sit behind the rim, a lot of times uh, the rim will uh, block your view of the players. So that some people like to sit in the middle. Uh, some people just want to sit closer to the ground so they won't mind sitting behind the rim. Um, others, other people will be more interested in saving money or not concerned with the location. These people, they just want to go and have the experience. They don't care if um, there's some unpleasant parts of it. They just want to enjoy the overall thing. They're not too concerned over um, any seating problems. Second thing we'll talk about today is you need to understand the operations role and function in a business to value its contributions to a company. So let's go over some of the channel basics. You need to get the goods. Uh, channels of distribution are the paths or routes that goods and services take from the producer to the ultimate consumer industrial user. Um, typically these paths aren't physical though. Although some goods do travel to their destinations along highways and railroads, the term channels of distribution doesn't necessarily refer to these specific types of routes. Instead, it refers to businesses or people who perform a variety of functions to enable products to be in the right places at the right times. A channel of distribution typically begins with a producer and ends with the ultimate consumer or industrial user. This is the person that will use it for their own personal pleasure or whatever. A producer will make the product or good or service. Um, an example would be a Whirlpool. It's a manufacturer of household appliances. Um, farmers are producers as well. They can grow a variety of crops such as corn, wheat, and rice. Producers of services also can include actors and entertainers, teachers, and healthcare professionals. Uh, let's determine, let's define the ultimate consumer. This is anyone who personally uses a good or service to satisfy his or her needs. We are all ultimate consumers of many different goods and services. This could be um, a basketball that you bought, it could be a dishwasher, it could just simply be clothing. Um, if you've ever eaten food, you are one of the farmer's ultimate consumers. Or if you've ever got your teeth cleaned, you are one of the densest, densest ultimate consumers. Industrial user is a business that buys materials, services, or goods that will be used to make other goods or used in the operation of the company. An example of this would be a construction company. They will buy lumber, steel, and other materials needed to buy homes and offices. An accounting firm would purchase computers, printers, and other office equipment necessary for its employees to perform their jobs. So this is more in a business setting, not necessarily a personal use to it. A channel of distribution will end eventually, and when it does, the good or service has reached the ultimate consumer or industrial user. A channel will also end when changes are made to the form of the good. An example of this would be for the milk, flour, eggs, and sugar purchased by a bakery and when the items are combined to make donuts. However, a new channel of distribution for the donuts begin. So it's not specifically that that one product is used, but it's a combination of all of them. So there can it's like almost like a chain of events. In this process, you do have intermediaries. 
Um, these are many products can take paths that include channel members in addition to the producer and the ultimate ultimate consumer industrial user. It's not necessarily always going to go from the producer to the ultimate consumer. You have people known as intermediaries or middlemen. They uh, typically operate between the producer and the consumer or user to help in the movement of goods and services. So it's not always as straightforward as you would think. There's different types of intermediaries as well. Let's take a look at some of them. One example is a retailer. These are businesses that buy consumer goods and sell them to the ultimate consumers. So they're trying to profit off this. They will buy, sell, promote, store, and price goods. And sometimes they can also provide customer services such as credit installation and repairs. Some examples of these would be McDonald's, Macy's, and your neighborhood gas station. These are all retailers. Another example of an intermediary is a wholesaler. These are businesses that buy goods from producers or agents, and then they sell them to the retailers. They will typically buy a variety of goods from many producers and sell groups of related products to retailers. An example of this would be if a wholesaler purchased baseball bats from one producer, mitts from another, and baseballs from another. A retailer would then be able to purchase all the baseball equipment from one source rather than having to contact each producer. Important fun functions of wholesalers include packaging, transporting and storing, extending credit to retailers, providing promotional and consulting each services. The last type of intermediary is an agent. These are businesses or individuals that assist in the sale uh, or promotion of the good and service, but don't necessarily buy from the producer. They do not take a title to the products. They never actually own them, but their job is to sell and promote a producer's good and services. They typically handle a limited number of non-competing products. That wraps up that wraps up today's episode number six of the Sports Marketing Podcast. I will see you next week.